Podcast episode 51, and we have brought on a guest from down south. We're bringing in George's coach, John's coach, and Manfro's coach. Manfro's not here, but these two are here along with Caesar. And I'm going to let George introduce our guest today for episode 51. Who we got here, George? Today we have the smartest man I have ever met in my entire life. That is no exaggeration. <laughs> Josh, Jeffrey, Josh, how are we doing? Man, I'm doing well. You are too kind, my friend. You are too kind. So Josh has a uh, business, uh, Carolina Performance Training, CPT for short, CPT underscore strength on Instagram. Uh, he programs for, like uh, Dave said, John, the fittest, me, and Manfro. So uh, like I said, he's a programming genius. He's a doctor of physical therapy student. Um, Josh, why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, how you got into the fitness realm, and uh, yeah, let's start there. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, born and raised in Ohio. Um, of course, grew up playing every sport under the sun. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, kind of started to realize that baseball was more my true passion and and the uh, area in which I had potential to continue playing. So I ended up going and playing in college at the University of Dayton, um, where I actually studied business. So uh, really, I studied baseball and having a good time. Uh, but I, I did try to go to class occasionally, too. Studied uh, uh, finance and economics. And um, following the end of that playing career, I actually went to work in the finance world and realized very quickly that that was not going to be for me, you know, sitting in a cube, staring at a computer for eight plus hours a day, just uh, it it didn't have the appeal to me that you know I thought it was going to. So I uh, realized very quickly I wanted to do something else. And you know, throughout my uh, my time playing these different sports, I honestly enjoyed the training side of it as much as I enjoyed actually playing. So I thought to myself that you know I might want to try to make a career out of that and more of the strength conditioning side of things or, or um, you know, sport performance. So I decided, well, you know, how did the people who are doing that type of thing, you know, how'd they get there? What'd they do? What'd they study? You know, what kind of experiences? did they did they have so uh looking into that uh saw that most of them had you know degrees in exercise science they had you know either you know bachelor's degrees or master's degrees they had worked as interns GAs that kind of thing and worked their way up so I thought well that's what I got to do too um so I ended up you know going online and 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 doing some research and was like well if I'm going to do this I'm going to try to get into a great school and the University of South Carolina actually is the number one uh a graduate exercise science department in the country. Um, at, it was at the time, that was 2013. I think it's still, uh, still up there. So, um, that's how I ended up uh, applying to USC. Um, and all the while I, I found, uh, I found this thing called CrossFit, you know, uh, I get done playing, um, you know, playing more of a team sport and, and, you know, I think it was maybe I spent about a month or so, a month and a half, two months max of your back and by chest and try leg day kind of rotation, you know, just to do something in the gym. And I realized, man, I need, I need something to train for. You know, you're always, you spend your whole life training for something, you, you know, and then all of a sudden that's gone. It's like, well, I, I need something to, to keep, you know, keep going, a reason to keep working hard in the gym. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to find this thing called CrossFit Man. Uh, and at first it was, I didn't necessarily have a desire to coach CrossFit. It was more as an athlete side. I was lucky enough to make two regionals teams back when they had regionals. Um, and, um, you know, that was kind of the start of it. And then upon moving to Carolina is when I really got into the coaching side of things. So I started coaching CrossFit in Carolina at Carolina CrossFit in 2013. Um, started also working in the strength conditioning side with the university um, while in graduate school, working first on the Olympic side with uh, my main teams were baseball, softball, women's soccer, uh, and sand volleyball. And then um, eventually I did a little bit of time on the football side too, um, which is great. You know, I'm getting to work with, you know, my CrossFit, you know, classes and my CrossFit athletes on in one hand. And then the other side, I'm working with, you know, SEC caliber athletes too. Um, you know, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, and, you know, that, Went on for a little while, and I'm finishing up my master's program, and I'm realizing, you know, maybe college strength conditioning is, isn't where I want to be. Um, I really had, you know, it started to like this whole PT thing, mainly because I was tired of, of running into an instance where I didn't know what to do, and I had to refer out. You know, I, I was like, man, like, I want to just know what to do in this instance. And, you know, thankfully, we had some great PTs, um, you know, uh, from Vertex PT uh, in Carolina CrossFit at the time. So, uh, I was getting to see what they were doing. I was like, man, I want to do that, too. So, uh, it kind of led to... PT school, uh, which I started in 2016, graduate at the end of this year. And at the same time, it also led me to want to start my own gym as well. Um, you know, I love 
CrossFit. I love the, the, the CrossFit vibe, but I really love individual design. Um, I'm a big believer that we all are, are you made up uniquely and we all have, uh, different, you know, different strengths, weaknesses. We, we respond differently to different types of stimuli. Our ability to recover is different. Our, you know, we talk about our, um, you know, from a, a training perspective, I didn't love the idea that I'm just going to scale a workout for different people. I want to have the right workout for the right person and support that with the right nutritional prescription, the right, you know, lifestyle prescription on top of it to get the most out of training. So uh, we kind of formulate a little bit more of a, a different style gym, which is what we run now. Um, so we have kind of an individual design facility. So everybody at our facility is doing their own thing, um, doing the, a, a program written for them by a coach. Um, and then now actually, um, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, um, CPT actually won't be called CPT anymore. Um, as I'm merging with, um, vertex physical therapy specialists. So, uh, we'll actually be vertex PT and performance. So we'll get to have, uh, the best of both worlds, uh, a little PT, a little strength conditioning all under the same roof. So, uh, I guess that brings us long story uh, up to today. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was incredible. All right. Uh, may have been a little long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. That introduction was incredible. Probably the best introduction we've ever gotten. Um, so much to pick from there. Uh, first things first, you're, you're now becoming Vertex PT and performance? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That's that started May 1, so I'm assuming yeah, we're recording this a very, not to date the episode, but we're probably, we're about to come up on that, so uh, uh, that by the time this released or very shortly after, um, we'll actually uh, have a new name. Wow, that's insane, man. That's yeah, a, man. First off, congrats to you and Brandon. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's having a chance. You know, it was one of those things I'm looking at, like uh, what I wanted to do from a PT perspective. And it's like, all right, you know, you know, why not join the best? You know, I figured that was the, the best way to go for my development. And we're, we're excited. We're lucky enough to have this facility now um, here in, in Columbia, the greater Columbia area where we get to do all of it. Um, and that's, uh, you know, pretty great to see somebody come in. Uh, you know, post-op or with an injury or just a tweak or, or whatever it might be and then be able to take them through the whole process and go right back into getting them back to the activities that they're trying to get to. So helping them feel better, helping them move better and helping them perform better. Heck yeah. That's, that's, that's insane. All right. Um, so let's, let's dive in a little bit here. Uh, so you said that you start yet you qualified and you participated in two regionals teams for CrossFit. Yeah. So uh, back in the day when it wasn't too hard. <laughs> what, year, what year was it? Uh, 2013 and 2014. 2013 was in Cincinnati with um, Cincinnati Strength Conditioning. Um, uh, shout out to them. And then 2014 uh, in, in Carolina with Carolina CrossFit. Cool. CCF stand up. <laughs> so uh, maybe CCF, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. CCF's <laughs> awesome, man. I, I, I'm so thankful for, for my time there. Um, you know, I really developed as a coach. Um, uh, you know, that's had some great mentors there. I got to work with great athletes to where I got my start really in the CrossFit world coaching wise. So, uh, nothing but love for there. Um, you know, it's just eventually everybody eventually you kind of grow a little bit and you realize you want to maybe do your own thing. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, having the, the blessing of those guys to go off and, and kind of start my own thing. Cause it really is a little different than your standard CrossFit gym. So, uh, we still have a great relationship, man. I love those guys over there and, and I'm so glad, you know, to see them, you know, still doing well. When did you start phasing out from athlete to like full-time coaching? Oh man, that's a great question. I think, uh, it, it was kind of a, uh, you know, a natural, you know, development as coaching demand increased, um, you know, you had to figure out where, how to prioritize. Right. Um, and so for me, uh, I didn't feel comfortable, um, not putting in all my effort for each of those individuals that relied on me. Right. And especially when you had your own, I had a business with coaches that were working for me. It's like their livelihood depends on me being able to do my job. So, you know, that had to take priority. And, and so, for me a while, I tried to do both, you know, I tried to still be a higher level athlete and I was nowhere what you see today. Um, you know, this is back when it was not as, uh, as difficult to, you know, be in the hunt. Uh, you know, nowadays it's, it's just such a different ball game. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time it was, you know, that was still a dream, still a desire. Uh, and so for me it was, you know, 
a kind of a slow realization. And then uh, I got really, really comfortable with the idea of being a coach. And, and for me, I started to more identify as a coach and, and not that I didn't also want to feel great, move great and, and still be competitive in some way. But I realized I wasn't defined by my athletic performance and was, you know, just reprioritizing and, and figuring out where my values were and what I, you know, what I thought was important to me. Um, and, and honestly, that relieving, you know, I felt almost a relief of pressure a little bit moving away from, you know, worrying more about my athletic performance and, you know, and to worry more about, you know, what I can do for each one of my athletes. Um, and now, you know, honestly, I enjoy training even more. Um, I enjoy, you know, it's back to being a little bit more fun because it was, it was a grind sometimes, um, you know, mixed PT school in there with it. And, you know, that's a, a grind in itself. So um, sometimes I had to put training on the back, you know, on the back burner a little bit. So I'd say the last couple of years, I think my last time I really tried to be competitive in the open may have was, you know, 2015, 2016. Um, and then kind of PT school started in 2016. That was kind of when I knew, um, you know, coaching was going to be the route. Wow. So what was that like balancing uh, PT school with uh, training versus lifestyle versus running uh, Carolina performance training? <laughs> Man, um, I, if I had it all figured out, man, I would probably write a book and try to sell it or something. You know, it, uh, it's not, uh, it, it wasn't easy. I'm not, I don't like to, I don't want to paint a picture that everything was perfect. You know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of nights where there wasn't a ton of sleep. There's, you know, a lot of nights where, um, you know, I had to, you know, stay up late to study for an exam because I couldn't get it done earlier because I had to write this program. I had this client call, I had whatever it was. And, you know, it, it very quickly you realize how important prioritizing the lifestyle stuff is. Um, and you know, not that I didn't realize that was important before. Um, but you know, in my opinion, the training is maybe 15, 20% of the whole picture. Uh, and those other things aren't, aren't, you know, completely in check. You're not going to get as much out of the training or, or whatever else you're, you're trying to do. So for me, it, almost forced me to prioritize the outside of the gym work. So uh, prioritizing sleep, prior, prioritizing, you know, what I'm putting into my body and, and meal prepping more effectively and ensuring that I'm adequately hydrated. And, and then also from just a time management perspective, having to, uh, you know, budget, you know, different things a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit more strictly uh, than maybe prior than I had prior. Um, but, you know, it's been a rewarding experience. Uh, I would probably wouldn't be able to, um, you know, sit here today, you know, getting to, you know, join forces with such a great PT group, um, had not kind of kept the business going, um, you know, throughout PT school. Uh, so I'd, I'd be lying if it said it was, I said it was easy. Um, and the other thing was also, you know, checking my ego a little bit, um, realizing that I'm not putting in the same training volume. I'm not, you know, going at the same intensities in the gym and that's okay. Um, so, you know, hitting a, you know, hitting a PR, on, you know, every, every month or on a, on a lift or something, or, or, you know, improving a certain conditioning piece, you know, if I wasn't seeing that same improvement I was used to, I had to, I had to understand that that was okay. Um, which is tough, you know, that's, that's a difficult realization. Uh, but I had to be okay with that knowing that, you know, I wasn't putting in doubles every day. I, you know, I was, you know, if I got three or four good hour long sessions in a week uh, of like actual training and then maybe some movement work outside of that, you know, that was a good week. And I had to, you know, be comfortable with like, I'm doing what I need to be doing right now. Um, so that it, it was definitely an ego check for sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough when you, you get used to maybe can seeing consistent performance year after year. And then all of a sudden you start to realize like, well, what, you know, why am I not necessarily improving as fast as I was before? And you realize, well, my training volume is a third of what it used to be. Um, and so, you know, that's, difficult, but then you also realize how to prioritize training to be even more effective in the gym with, with what you're doing. And you realize how important the quality of your training is versus the quantity. I mean, that's, that's great advice for me moving forward as well. I mean, I'm going to be going oh, to yeah. graduate school, <laughs> just like you, man, it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot, man, but I don't, I know there's probably no one else better suited to, to deal with it, man. Um, I'm pumped for you. I'm excited that you're getting this opportunity. Uh, it'll be great to have you back down South here. Um, you know, I'll get to see you a little more often than since you moved back up, uh, back up to New York. So, uh, we'll be pumped to have you back down here. Are you guys, are you guys going to be, are you, where are you going to be training, George? Well, I'll be in Greenville. He's, uh, he's in Columbia still. So that's so how uh, far away is it's like an hour and a half, mm -hmm. right, Josh? That's not bad. Yeah, about an hour and a half. I make a, I make some trips up there. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, a 
fair number of athletes that trained in Greenville at some different gyms up there. So I try to get up there a little bit. We're planning an, uh, an athlete camp in Greenville to try to get all of them together a little more frequently, um, probably sometime this summer too. So, um, you know, I'm sure uh, I'll get up there and I'm sure you'll get down, uh, down here periodically. Heck yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, yeah, man. Um, so see, got any questions? Yeah, actually I do. I was just waiting for for the timeline to catch up. <laughs> so you said that you're transitioning from the class or like you transitioned from the class, like scaling, like you, you wanted to individualize everybody's workout, which is great. Cause you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be a teacher back in the days and that's what you want to do. You want to differentiate the workout. So if best mm-hmm. suits the student or best suits the athlete, right? So if I'm going into now Vortex performance right. training, what does that look like? Am I working out in a class environment or am I just working with a coach one-on-one? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So our model is a little unique. It's a little bit different than some of the other ones out there. So every person that is one of our clients um, work has a coach. It's their personal coach who writes their training program, who, you know, is the one that puts them through their assessment, constantly reassesses, adjusts the program as necessary, uh, provides them, you know, you know, is the one that's dealing with their nutrition, looking at their nutrition log, is making, you know, changes in that realm, is working with them on their lifestyle, working them on, on you know, sweep quality, stress management, whatever it might be. It's kind of their person, right, who's going who's gonna to really take charge of what they're doing. But um, now they, that individual can train anytime throughout the day. We open at five in the morning and we close at eight at night. They can come in whenever they want. And we have hours of the day in which we staff a coach on the floor. So when there's a morning shift, a middle of the, a middle of the day shift, and an evening shift where one of us, one of the coaches on staff, is on the floor to work with whoever's there. So mm-hmm. I might be on the floor in the afternoon. You know, um, for today, I'll cover four. Uh, I start at four. I'll be on the uh, you know, four until at four o'clock till the end of the day. And, you know, some of the athletes might be who I write the program for. Some of the athletes might be written by another one of our coaches. Um, but they're all there doing their program. And my job as the floor coach is to help them with movement, to work with them on the, the, their technique and whatever they're doing that day, to facilitate their training and make sure they're getting the most out of it, make sure they're doing it as written to answer questions, just as you would in a CrossFit class. If you had, you know, 10 people working out in the CrossFit class and they're all, you know, you've maybe some of them are doing a slight different variation because it's scaled. You know, you're bouncing around the room. You're working from this person, you know, everybody might be doing, uh, you know, snatch that day, but each person you're working on get providing them individual feedback on what they're doing. It's the same kind of idea, except each person's doing what they need to be doing. So rather than everybody in the room doing snatch, I've got one person doing dumbbell bench over here, another person back squatting, another person doing cleans off the blocks, two people on the road doing different intervals, somebody on a bike outside and another person running sprint. And so my job is to just facilitate what each one of them is doing. Um, so it, it's individualized training, but it's in a group environment. So um, the biggest thing I've found is, you know, community isn't necessarily doing the same thing. Community is more about the environment that you foster as a coach and as an organization. And so when somebody's hitting a new PR and a lift and they're going for something, the entire room is around them working, you know, encouraging them and, and trying to push them to help them. Somebody's, you know, dying over on the bike, finishing 10 minute max calorie on the bike. You know, you've got four or five people around you that are still trying to push you as well. Um, and, you know, periodically I'll actually find times where I'll, you know, people have similar goals, I might have them do the same thing on a certain day so they can get a little bit more camaraderie. But um, you basically create that environment. So everyone's doing what they need to be doing. And they're getting the outside the gym support because each one has their coach that's working with their unique situation. But then the environment in the gym is very much a group type environment. You're just not doing the exact same thing. Okay. And, and so I say, I noticed that you were saying that, you know, that coach monitors other things outside of your physical fitness in the gym. Mm-hmm. So you guys take on like a holistic approach to like your wellness and your fitness, right? That's what it yes, sounds like. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in what you're doing outside the gym. Um, it's For me, it's almost more important than what you do in the gym. Um, if you're not supporting the type of training, if you're not making sure that you're sleeping enough, if you're not making sure you're eating the right amounts and the right types of foods for you, uh, if you're not, you know, finding ways to reduce your stress, if you're not, you know, modulating the intensity of your training based on what else is going on in your lifestyle, you're, you're setting yourself up for either injury or plateauing. Uh, you know, you might get better for a little while. We all know that, you know, you're going to improve for a, a certain amount of time, but you know, over time, eventually, um, that runs out. And it needs to be tailored a little bit more for the individual. And so uh, that was kind of the approach that, that we've taken with the training. And it's been awesome, man. Um, 
it, it's so much fun. And I, 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 I miss a little bit of the group environment in terms of like running a big CrossFit class. I mean, we had George can tell you, I mean, I would have classes of 30, 40 people, you know, I mean, I had 60 people in a class one time and you know, it's, it's fun. Like yeah. it's, it's a good time. Like it, it's, I mean, now granted the gym was, you know, 20 something thousand square feet. So we had, you know, plenty of room, but the, uh, it's just for me, I felt like of that, that day, say I had 30 people in the class, maybe the workout was maybe appropriate for two of them. And for me, just scaling the workout a little bit by saying, okay, well, we've got muscle ups in the workout. So you're going to do some ring rows today. or You're going to do pull ups and dips. Like that's not really giving them what they need. That's a, modifying the workout, allowing them to complete the workout, but completing the workout doesn't equal progress. So for me, it was more about figuring out, okay, well, what is this person's, you know, set goals? What are they trying to do? Where are they now? And how do I develop the appropriate plan to help them get from A to B? And it's not always just coming in and, and, you know, doing a modified version of a set, you know, set workout. So for me, it was, uh, I wanted to dig a little deeper with each person. Um, so we don't have as many, you know, as many people, we keep it uh, fairly small because we want to be able to give more to each person rather than have more people. This sounds a lot like OPEX. The way you that you got yeah well I, yeah and very very much so man I love the OPEC stuff man I, I I did my OPEC CCP a while back one of my other coaches on um, on staff had done CCP um, we do a little bit stuff a little bit differently um, because I will do some group stuff a little bit um, in certain instances um, and I'll do um, you know we do some sport performance training and some other things like that so it's it's not quite the same. Um, but uh, it's a similar idea, man. Um, James has been a big mentor of mine, um, you know, and the, the guys out there in Arizona. So uh, I think they were, you know, that's what exposed me to this originally, uh, this kind of idea. And uh, we just kind of took it off and put our own spin on it. So if I'm a new, um, new person looking for a new gym and then I see your gym, how do, what happens when I come in? Yeah. So, um, uh, initially a lot of it is explaining what we do, right? Cause it's a different type of model. So, uh, explaining how it works and, you know, the idea of having your personal coach and then also having a coach on the floor and, and kind of the role of each one of those person and what to expect. Uh, but then it gets a pretty comprehensive assessment. So, uh, we'll go through, uh, a, a pretty deep dive into the person's goals and why, you know, what they're trying to do and trying to figure out what makes them tick a little bit with a lot of different, you know, questionnaires and things looking at, uh, you know, a lot of lifestyle factors, try to, trying to help determine, uh, you know, are there things that we want to address there and where do we want to start with those, right? We can't just throw a, a, a really intense structured program at somebody, you know, unless they're ready for it. So uh, you're figuring out where they really are and then deciding where we want to begin. And um, we do the same thing from a movement perspective too. So taking them through, uh, we have our own movement assessment that's uh, you know we pull some things from like SFMA from the OPEC stuff from some different uh, you know FMS that kind of stuff too just you know putting into our own little movement assessment and then you know changing that a little bit based on the person's goals and where they're starting from we'll play around with that a little bit uh, to kind of see where they are um, so that way we can you know prescribe any movement work that's needed um, and then determining if and when work capacity testing is appropriate for that person based on what they're trying to do um, so obviously I'm not testing uh, you know, Doris is one rep max back squat if she's, um, you know, 58 years old and never touched a barbell. But, you know, if someone like when George and, and John started with me, I'm going to, I need to see where their, their, their strength is in different things. So it's developing a, a, a testing battery that's appropriate for the person. Um, and then using that data and what you've acquired from all of the different questionnaires and, and having, you know, these, these conversations with the individual uh, to determine their plan and where they're going to start with. Um, and that's going to look very different for everybody. Um, and then, you know, uh, some people, if we feel like they need a little bit more one-on-one -on -one attention, we'll actually start them with more of a traditional personal training model. We do that as well, where they'll actually have one-on-one -on -one time with their coach or they have their undivided attention rather in that more small group environment that our standard training occurs in. And we'll, um, we'll go through that a little bit just to make sure that you know, they're ready to be more in that floor coach type model. Um, and then, you know, it progresses based on, you know, the person, how, you know, how they respond to training, um, what, you know, again, their, you know, their background, what their training history is like, you know, taking into account their age, uh, you know, training age and biological age, uh, figuring out, uh, you know, how well they recover. So figuring out what the right amount of training volume is for the person and just monitoring them over time. And at the same time, doing the same thing from a nutrition and lifestyle perspective, you know, depending on where they are, it might be, Hey, this week, um, we're going to try to have breakfast all seven days this week. It could be that simple. Um, and it, you know, is where we start, or it could be somebody where you're giving them more of a in-depth macro prescription because that's where, you know, where they were coming from and what their goals, uh, dictate. So, uh, it, it's kind of an intensive consultation process. 
to make sure that we're ready to provide that person what they need. And then um, uh, we take it from there. Cool. So what, what, what's your normal athlete look like? Is he like a college athlete? Is he like mom and dad or, you know, what, what's your typical athlete that, that works out with you guys? Yeah, that we have a very, very wide range. Um, we're very fortunate to have some coaches on staff that have um, a little bit more of like a, you know, each one of us has a different niche. Uh, mine tends to be more of uh, the CrossFit uh, performance type athlete. That's what I enjoy working with. Uh, and what I have most the most experience with, uh, but we have coaches on staff that uh, you know love working with um, you know the geriatric population, or coaches on staff that work very much with people who are new to fitness. Um, so you know they they don't have experience going to the gym. Um, and you know, there's, we each kind of have a little bit of a niche. And so we, we try to do that when someone comes in as well is, is pair them with a coach we think would be most effective based on who they are and what they're trying to do. So my typical athlete looks a little different than maybe some of our other uh, coaches. Uh, we're fortunate again to have the, the PT side of things too under the same roof. So oftentimes if someone is finishing up, uh, you know, they're kind of at the end of where physical therapy will take them, but they're, they're not done there, right? You know, where, you know, their insurance, you know, it, it might be, it might be something where we're not going to build their insurance further, but they still need someone helping them continue to get stronger to and uh, continue to improve their movement quality to get back to their activity. So that's when they might transition over to working with one of our coaches. So um, it really depends on, on, you know, who, which coach you talk to on say what their population is. But uh, as a whole, we have kind of a wide range. Uh, we do a little bit of some adolescent work. So adolescent strength conditioning, some high school um, sports type work. Um, you know, we, you know, I love that. I'm passionate about that. I think that is somewhere I'd want to keep expanding. Um, and then we have, you know, all the way up into the higher age range in the geriatric population too. So, um, me, I tend to have more of the CrossFit athlete, but, uh, it definitely varies over the course of the organization. And how many athletes do you personally have right now? Um, yeah, so I, I am right now I'm capped at, uh, I'm at 25. Um, and I stay right there, um, for right now, uh, again, until PT school finishes and I can, uh, you know, possibly expand that if I want to, but fortunately we have so many great coaches on staff. Um, you know, I, you know, they're, you know, they're also filling up too. So for me, I, uh, I kind of keep it to where I know I have the right amount of time so I can keep providing, uh, the, the best quality I can to each one of those people. Um, so that way, uh, no one falls through the cracks. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm currently capped right now, but uh, a couple of our other coaches are still taking on clients. Awesome. All right. So I want to take it back to Carolina CrossFit. You and Riley, oh, yeah. the best dynamic duo of coaches <laughs> all time. Name a better one. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, first reaction, uh, old uh, Georgie Hardshawn with the two fat stud earrings, high top basketball shoes, walking to <laughs> Carolina CrossFit. First uh, impression, go. Oh man, those were the days, man. The the earrings, man. I had forgotten about that. Honestly, I had totally forgotten about the stud earrings. Man. Um, oh, dude, that was, you know, I it was always great having you around, man. I think right from the start, every everybody just clicked, and uh, you fit right into the to the squad. We had a nice little squad there uh, training uh, at that time, and you know, Riley is you know, one of my best friends. He's a, a groomsman in my upcoming wedding. You know, he's uh, you know we were lucky enough to coach 20 plus classes a week together for two plus years, you know? So, uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, the, I spent more time and then we trained together too. So I spent more time with him than I think I have anybody else on this planet other than maybe my parents. Um, so having, um, you know, having Riley around, you know, and, and getting to grow as a coach with him too and learn from him was, was an incredible experience. He's still one of my athletes out in Arizona. So I still get to, you know, communicate with him, you know, pretty much, you know, daily, and, uh, you know, when, when George walked in with those, with those stud earrings, man, uh, it was, it was definitely different, but man, it was, it was great. It, I think I wouldn't have changed that time at all, man. I think that was some of my, my favorite memories looking back is just throwing down in the back of CCF, uh, with our little group. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about their college experience and things like that, but the, 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 my favorite times and my best memories in college were honestly walking into Carolina CrossFit and hanging out with the squad that we had, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> and asking yeah, you, you get, you're making me cry, man. It's getting nostalgic <laughs> here a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I mean, one of the best memories I think I have of you is uh, just being like, I think you were coaching at the time. I was doing some other programming. I come up to you and I just said, 
Josh, you know, uh, Zach, Zach Griffith over here, he's telling me about um, creatine and beta alanine. Uh, what do they do? <laughs> One hour and a half later, and I was mind blown. And you were just like, you know, you're really into this stuff, so I feel like you get it. And I've, I, Mike, I've never been the same since then. You completely <laughs> changed my scientific mind and honestly oh, drove me to continue what I was doing. Wow, man, that is uh, on that knob. Very kind of you to say. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of that just says I talked too much. Is what I got out of that. <laughs> uh, because he brings that now. He, he's been influenced by you that he brings that education here, which is really good. Yeah, well, I I appreciate it, man. I I enjoy chatting about it, and and so you know, having those conversations helps you know helps all of us grow. You know, it's. I'm a big believer too. You learn a lot by, by doing and teaching. So uh, getting to try to relay that knowledge and having to formulate my own thoughts on it um, helped, you know, helps me grow as a coach too. So, uh, you know, I miss having those conversations with you, George. We've had some good ones over the, over the year on, on pretty much every topic, it seems like in the health and, and fitness space. So, uh, you know, I always appreciate those conversations too. That's cool. Now tell us about George and John as athletes. Like, I was just about to ask yeah. that. I was about to ask yeah. George, John, and Manfro. Manfro too. <laughs> who's the worst to program for? <laughs> what oh, are oh, man, the worst to program for? Well, I'd say the toughest one to think about is, is John's schedule. Um, you know, that, that is a little bit different. So that makes, uh, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say anyone's, you know, more, you know, more difficult or more fun. Uh, you know, they're all, they're all unique, right? Each one of them has things that they're really, really proficient in. And each one of them has things that they need to continue working on too. And, and trying to balance that is, um, is, can be difficult sometimes, but, you know, I think they're, they're all, you know, if you talk about a common theme, they're all very, very dedicated to what they're doing. They all put in a ton of really good work and good training. Um, and, and so, you know, when you have somebody that is able to and willing to put in that work, uh, you know, that's half the battle, right? Um, and for me, it allows me to have some fun and to be a little bit more creative and, and knowing that, you know, they're, they're going to go and they're going to push hard on it and they're going to let me know how it went. And, and so it, it, it's kind of the, the, the perfect type of relationship. You know, all three of them are, are you know, fantastic athletes, but also great people. And that also makes it a, uh, you know, more fun for me as well. So I've really enjoyed getting to work with all of them. I've worked, you know, of course, George and John for a little while now and, and just a little bit more uh, recently, um, and, you know, enjoying getting to, you know, still learn uh, about her as an athlete. Um, and so um, really, oh uh, yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't know that y'all called her man for, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, that's new to me. Uh, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to call her that. Um, yeah, I, I, I usually Jess or Jessica, whenever I talk to her, I'll have to call her man from here on out. But, um, worse, Jessica. Yeah. Jessica. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll call we her Jessica. Many, we have too many Jesses around in our, yeah. up here. In our gym. So I, like, I've I seen, I've seen some of the workouts that you program for them and it seems kind of crazy. So how do you, when you're like, I'm like, man, that's nuts. what you guys are about to do. How do you come up with some of this stuff? Like, or are you like, Oh man. What's the mentality <laughs> yeah. behind it? Yeah, yeah. So um for me to put it simply, man, I think I see CrossFit is a sport, you know, at least when you're treating it as a sport, you know, it, you need to have seasons, just like any other sport, right? So you have to kind of, you know, for me, I look at it, you know, on more of a macro perspective first. So I look at it, it's okay, well, if we are preparing for an event at this time and it's this far away, you know, I have to basically phase out what I'm gonna be doing from now until then. So, uh, you know, that's due to the fact that I'm a firm believer that, you know, while you can maybe do a little bit of everything and, and get a little bit better at maybe everything, if you really want to make significant improvements, you got to prioritize effectively and you have to make sure that the training, it, you know, doesn't take, like, they don't, it, some of it doesn't take away from each other. So I'm not necessarily going to be able to, you know, to consistently over the long haul improve you know, absolute strength while also being able to improve, um, you know, certain conditioning pieces uh, without structuring the training effectively. So for me, it's about planning out their year first. So, it, you know, for example, if we're going to, you know, October um, and, you know, October, you say that's the open and, you know, we'll just assume it's October one there. For me, I've got to look at, okay, if October one's the day I need to be ready for this open and it's a five week 
you know, process where you're hitting the workout probably two times um, for most of these athletes, I need to make sure that, I'm, that I prepare them for that. So that means I need to have a preparatory period. I need to have a, uh, a block where their training is really more energy system focused and where I try to hold on to more maximal strength development and I hold on to maybe some of those aerobic adaptations that we've built while preparing them for more of a quote unquote CrossFit style workout. So I've got to have a block for that. And that's the time too, where I'm going to take all those skills that we've worked more in isolation and put them more into a metabolic environment to challenge them and prepare them for what they're going to experience in the open. And that's also the time where I'm going to set their training up to mimic a little bit more about the demands of the open. So Friday is going to have their most challenging piece. And then also Monday is going to be either the exact same piece or a variation of it, something where they can take what they learned on Friday and apply it to Monday's training piece. So that way I can get them in that routine of going through that. Now, the volume and intensity there might be modulated a little bit. So I don't basically do a, you know, a 20 week open but there are still pieces of that that can carry over from their training in that preparatory period leading into the actual competition period um, for their for their training uh, or for the opening uh, performance. So for me, it's like, okay, I got to figure out when that's going to start. And that's going to vary on each athlete. Um, some people need, you know, a few more, you know, a few, you know, extra weeks in terms of building, uh, building that some people don't need long at all. A lot of it depends on training age and, and your history with this and how close you are to your maximum physical potential. Um, but in general, probably a rough estimate would be roughly eight weeks or so. Um, so we use that as an example. So if August, October one is when we're, we're going to hit that. Um, then I know that September and August are going to be more of that preparatory period. So that means I've got from now until August on more of what I would deem more of an off season type, uh, uh, program. So let's say May, June, July, um, and you know, I've got three months there. We'll say that's roughly 15 weeks, um, in grand, in you know, grand scheme of things. So if we're starting May 1, 15 weeks, I can either make that into more, you know, five, three week blocks. I can make that into an eight week and a seven week block. I can make it into more three or four week blocks at a time. That's going to vary based on the athlete and what I think is going to be appropriate for them. Um, a lot of times when you're talking about in, in, in beginner athletes or who I would deem a little bit more of a beginner based on those factors like age, training age, biological age, um, you know, they're, you know, where they are. On, again, relative to their maximum physical potential, um, they are going to be different than somebody who is, you know, you know, a master's athlete who's been doing the sport of CrossFit for 10 years and who's had 20 years of weight training experience before that. So determining how, what those different blocks are going to look like and then prioritizing within those blocks. So um, it could be something for the first block I'm working on, um, you know, absolute strength from a, you know, in the squat, say more like an anterior load squat, like a front squat, and then maybe upper body pulling strength. And then the skills specific type things I'm going to work on, maybe they need to work on, you know, handstand pushups and muscle ups. And then I'm still building more of an aerobic base at that time. So that is kind of the first block there. And I'm maintaining all those other qualities while prioritizing those certain ones. And then, you know, at the end of that block, seeing how well I did, do I still need to prioritize those same things? Or maybe I made some good improvement. Maybe I want to change my priorities for that next block of five weeks or so in this example. And then maybe I'm adjusting that prior those priorities a little bit to reflect what I still think they need to improve upon. Um, and so it's really specific to the individual. And then for me, once I have kind of those, you know, how long this individual cycle is going to probably take, uh, again, it's pretty flexible. You know, I might say it's going to take five weeks and I end up going for eight weeks because I really like the way we're on, or I may might only go three weeks because I don't like the direction it's going and I want to change it. So you've got to be willing to, uh, to adapt the plan. But you kind of have like a plan there. And then within that, I'm going to, um, I'm going to do my best to take those prioritized and put them, you know, in the workouts or in their actual training week to where they get the most out of it. So the things I'm going to prioritize the most, I'm going to do earlier in sessions. I'm going to do earlier in the week. I'm going to do it on days following rest days. So that way those are in a position to have the best effort put forth to them. So I don't want to prioritize, you know, you know, front squat, you know, the front squat or anterior load squatting strength and put that on day three in the middle of a workout and, ex and, and just assume that I'm going to get better at that. You know, it's like, if that's truly a priority, it needs to be on day one. It needs to be early in the training session. Um, it needs to be something where I, I know that they're going to be able to put forth their best effort there. Um, and then adjusting the program, you know, basically creating that skeleton for their training week. Um, and I'll do either do one week training, you know, skeletons or two week training skeletons or, or three day training skeletons. It really depends on you know, what the person is. And then, you know, the last thing I do is actually put in the exercises and actually put in the sets and reps. Um, I kind of have like the overarching picture and then I kind of just zero down into, well, what are they going to do this week? And then what are they going to do this day? And then, so that's kind of how I'll break it down there. And then it kind of adjusts over the life of their training cycle from where they are now until the open 
So like now they'll be doing more, say, muscle-ups in a skill-based environment where they're building volume and then improving their density. And then over the course of time, it becomes in more of a metabolic environment where they're doing something like bar muscle-ups and bar-facing burpees in the same workout. That's more of a preparatory period piece versus an off-season piece. So Yowzers. So that, so that, so that is a long-winded answer, but... <laughs> that, so, so the prepping for John is say for the Asbury games or is it for the open? Right. So each one that you, you have to basically talk to the person and determine how much of a priority those individual competitions are. Right. So some people, the Asbury games might, which, uh, which I, I think I just saw is going to be a sanctional coming up soon too, um, or something like that. Um, Wait, what? The, uh, I thought, did you see that? Or is Asbury park? Is that the same one? Yeah. That I just, I think I just, Next year, it's going to be a sanctional, I think. Um, We're going. So, um, but yeah, the, so for me, it's talking about each person. It's like, okay, well, how much is a, this a priority for you? Because mm. the Open doesn't have to be the number one priority. I just use that as an example. So if the Asbury Games are the priority, then you repeat that same process knowing that that's the priority. And then, you, you know, it's, okay, well, when do we need to really start preparing for that specific competition um, versus, you know, if it's not a priority and we're going to train through it, maybe it's just more of a slight taper and volume leading into it. So you at least feel good on, on the day of the competition, but we haven't necessarily tried to treat that as if it was your games or your regionals. Um, so it really just comes down to what the person, you know, how much they value something, that specific thing. Uh, for instance, one of my teen athletes, um, really, this is the last year he can qualify as something as a teen, and he wanted to do a sanctional event as a, as a teen, and he just qualified for um, the Granite Games as a teen. And so, like, the Open's cool, right? But he was going to be 18 by the time the game started, so he's competing with the big boys. But he was still going to be young enough to do teen for Granite Games. So, for us, the Open didn't matter, right? It was, it was the qualifier for Granite Games was his priority. So you just have to figure out, okay, what is, what's right for that individual and then adjust their training year. Um, or, you know, for some people it's longer. So like Jess and looking at hers, or for, sorry, for Manfro, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you're looking at, you know, not just this games, you know, possibly or this, this master's qualifier, but next year she moves into a different age group, which is going to be even more beneficial. So really a lot of it is next year's master's qualifier. So, you, you know, it's, it's really, really, you know, individual for the person. And then you try to figure out, you, you just construct their plan based on what they're telling you and what you can deduce is truly their priority. I want anybody who ever asks me a question about programming because John and I program uh, since October and mm -hmm. we, we've had our calls. Um, basically, you've been my mentor throughout this entire <laughs> process of figuring out how to program, figuring out how to do like group classes because you, you take such an individualized approach and uh, I, I mean, anytime that anybody asks me any question about programming, I'm going to point them to this exact podcast <laughs> Just, and I want yeah. them to listen to it because I'm going to regurgitate exactly what this man says. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And then, and the other thing too is, is to realize that there's, there's more than one way to do it, man. That's, that's how I, I go about doing it, but I'm, I'm very hesitant to say that, that it's the, you know, the only way, right. There's a lot of other people that are having a lot of great success doing things differently for, for me, it just, uh, you know, I, I, the way my brain works is I like having a little bit more structure to it. And so, um, that's the way I, the way I gravitate towards doing things, but you know, I have other coaches on staff that really are a little bit more fluid with their concepts and how they do things. And they also get great results too. So, um, I, you know, I appreciate the, the opportunity to work with you on kind of, you know, you and John as you're, as you're, you know, getting into some more programming yourselves and, and getting to work with you as athletes. But, you know, a, a big part of it is, you know, experimenting and, and learning, right? Because all of it's just an educated guess, right? We, you know, everything we do is what we think is going to help, but we don't actually know until after the fact. And it's evaluating, okay, I think this is going to improve this characteristic for this person. But then if you don't have testing measures or some way to quantify their improvement, you don't know if it actually worked. You don't know if it, you know, they got any better or, and you can't evaluate your own performance as a coach if you don't evaluate their performance objectively. So for me, that's one reason I use these tests, these different measures and things to, to kind of test where people are is because it lets me evaluate, did they respond to what intervention I gave them? And if they did, great. I'm going to keep riding that wave. If they didn't, well, I've got to figure out what I need to change. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you know, that's, that's just how I've, uh, I've come to, to find some success. Um, have you ever met John Ashley before in person? 
I have not, man. It is is a long time coming. I need to. Um, hopefully, he'll make his way down to Greenville, uh, G Vegas, to come visit Georgie when he's down there, and uh, and I'll have to make That's my you. way up. Um, dude, Green Green Greenville is a pretty cool town, man. Uh, George is gonna have a good time. Yeah, uh, if he's not sucking a book the whole time, he'll have a good time up there. Um, so if John makes his way down there, hopefully I'll get to see him. Um, but no, it's all been uh, electronic communication, unfortunately. Yeah, John's a John's a John you know, an Adonis up here. John, how old are you? Twenty four. So John's twenty four. Josh, what do you? What's the potential? Is there? What What do you see this kid? Do you see this kid making? What What are his weaknesses? What, what Oh, what are his weaknesses? Break this guy Tell down. Break, break him down. Tear, we're just gonna tear listen. tear John apart. Is that, well, this is that the goal of this podcast? Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> we, we gotta keep him level. You know, we gotta keep him grounded, and that's our job. So, well, everyone uh, around here, oh, man. like, oh, John Ashley, he's so hot. Oh my God, I posted that in my mind. <laughs> Ever since last year, winning the uh, awesome. fittest alive in the April five, everybody just calls me the fittest, yeah. and it's yeah. just like, oh, God, heard, but that's awesome. Time, so what, you uh, definitely keep me grounded. What are some of his weaknesses? <laughs> like, what does he need to work? Yeah, on? man. Uh, uh, well, I, I would. I first have to say, man. You know, John really does. Uh, you know have some great strengths first you know i see how i'm gonna turn this around um i want to you know talk about all the things john's great at um you know he does have some things where he he does really really well and that showed in in some of the different open workouts this year he performed well on on certain ones of them and then you know we just went through him and i on a call um last week or whenever that was um where we went through kind of each workout and talked about what are some potential limiters um and uh again i'm gonna i'll I'll spare john blowing up too much but you know they'll there were certain things that we, we kind of looked at and we're like, okay, this went pretty well, but it could be better. Um, and we talked about how we're going to improve that. And that's, that's really what I, I tried to do with each person is try to figure out, okay, well, how did your specific performance go? And then um, how can we, you know, how can we address that, you know, in training in the off season? So uh, I thought John performed really, really well when it, when it took just, you know, heart and guts to finish, to finish something or to push through something, which is great. Cause a lot of times as a coach, you can't teach that. Right. Um, I think some of the other things we can really work on, um, building some more volume in, in say like strict handstand pushups or, um, building up, uh, you know, the ability to perform some of those higher skills under more metabolic fatigue. So bar muscle ups in that type of conditioning workout or higher volumes of, of toes to bar and things to get, you know, further in that, the clean workout. That's the second one. Um, and, and, you know, also, you know, from me, from a coaching perspective is, is, you know, the, you know, building up maybe a, a bigger reserve in terms of a volume uh, of thrusters and, and chest bar if they're going to if they're going to test you know a workout that has you know over a hundred of each of them is being really prepared for that. So um, I thought overall it was a you know a, a really great performance. Give you credit, John. I'm gonna give you you know give you a pat on the back, but uh, I think it also was good because it gave us an idea of what we need to do next in training. And that's all any of these things are. Is like I, I look at it all as just data. I try not to attach too much emotion to the actual performances because for me it's it's all just data telling us where we are and what we need to do next so um you know each one of these is just a a piece of uh, you know gives us a piece of the puzzle and between that and any other specific uh, assessments that i might do with somebody you can really develop a comprehensive plan that's going to target their specific needs so um overall i thought it was it was a good performance uh and i think uh it will it will keep getting better because we have a good idea of what else we uh what else we need to keep working on so yeah, John, you suck. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I'm trying try not to blow you up, buddy. I got you. I got your back. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you like analytics over like the eye test, right? Is that you what know, I think? Um, I, I I would say it's everything, but I think it definitely drives a lot of what I do. Um, I think for me, uh, I like to see the progress because it also I think it helps create buy-in from an athlete perspective. Uh, but really, it's it's in my opinion, the only way of, of really knowing if I'm helping somebody get better, right? If I'm not, you know, doing something, giving them training and also a lifestyle prescription and doing these things and then not seeing if it got better, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really just spinning my wheels. Like I want to be able, I want to know that we're getting better. Um, so for me, I like to use more of the, the, uh, the data if I can. Um, that being said, you can't go completely just numbers only, right? So I, I try to find a nice little balance of what we're doing. But I think that each one of these different tests can give you uh, can give you data. Um, so if you look at 19.1, uh, low skill, um, favored higher power outputs, 15-minute uh, time frame is fairly aerobic. Uh, so uh, it, it's did they put in the longer end effort work there, a ton of knee flexion endurance in that piece. So there's, there's a very specific, you know, 
direct, you know, characteristics of fitness tested in that workout. And you can evaluate somebody's performance uh, on, the, uh, you know, on a continuum for all of those. The second one, high volume toes to bar, double under proficiency, knee flexion, endurance, maximal strength uh, from a clean perspective, uh, being able to perform, you know, higher percentages of the clean while under fatigue, specifically core fatigue there. I mean, there's, there's so many different things that, that could have been the, the limiter. So it's figuring out, well, what was the limiter for that person? Or the third one, looking at mainly strict handstand push-up volume. The first part was just a little bit of some pre-fatigue on the shoulders. Did they put in enough single leg work uh, in off-season training? But, you know, really how well can they handle strict handstand push-up volume? And then really more of a density perspective because there's really nowhere to hide when you have to do all 50 in a row there. Um, and then, you know, potentially handstand walk proficiency. And, you know, you move into number four and you have um, – the, you know, uh, that one's more of like a classic CrossFit. You're looking at more of like their, their lactic, uh, you know, endurance. So what I would call lactic endurance, very OPEX term. Um, you know, when you're talking about a specific energy system prep where you prepared for that type of work. Um, and then, um, you know, also there's a, a fair amount of pushing volume there. I know for most people, chest and triceps blew up a little bit, which is going to affect the bar muscle up. So you're looking at bar muscle up proficiency under fatigue under metabolic fatigue um, and, you know and then again 30 bar muscle ups in a conditioning piece uh, is a lot of volume there so did you put that work in or is there an area of that you need to improve on um, and then of course the last one uh, a really really high volume of thruster and chest to bar and, and we had built up a fair amount of volume I think I had John and George do something in which they had gotten up to like 90 of each in a workout and so you know we had we had gotten up to a fair amount but you know that's that's a really high volume there so it's uh, uh, the ability to uh, you know handle that high amount of volume which is going to have a muscle endurance component there's going to be an aerobic component to that and so it's really just determining you know the thrusters are, you know, have a very big you know knee flexion endurance component also an upper body pushing endurance so there's so many different variables it's you're just evaluating it for each person and then determining, okay, well, this was your limiter on this particular workout. So how are we going to address that in the off season to make sure if that came up again, we're going to perform better on that workout. And so I try to do that with each person that, that I have as an athlete. Um, so that way I can off season program to effectively help them improve those specific training pieces. Awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Let's, Oh my God, that was a lot. Let's, um, uh, Switch gears lost. a little bit here. You, you got me? I may have lost. Uh, uh, Josh, you hear us? Can you hear George? Yep, I can hear you. Can What's you going me? on? Good? Yep, I got you. Awesome. All right. Um, that was excellent. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. You have actually your own podcast, the Better Faster Podcast. You have, I think you're up to close to, I listened to the one about I-77, I think. Yeah, and something like that. So mm -hmm. you have, you guys have, uh, this is episode 51. You guys have 77 episodes, clearly an excellent podcast. What, how, how did the podcast, um, how did you guys start? What is something that you've learned as you guys have grown that you could teach us as a podcast to make us better? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate you tuning in, buddy. Um, that's always much appreciated uh we you know really brandon and i started that podcast before we knew we were going to eventually be business partners it was mainly um an opportunity for us to um you know really just get to talk about the things we're passionate about strength conditioning physical therapy blending them together um you know the world's of sport performance that kind of thing um and, and so it just kind of started as a chance for us to to have a weekly conversation about the things we love to talk about um, and then get to hopefully have some cool guests on too um, to, to talk more, uh, you know, gain their, you know, hear their expertise. And so we could learn selfishly so we could learn. Um, and, you know, what I, what I've learned over, I guess, over the course of, it's been a little over a year now, I guess almost, I guess it'll be close to a year and a half here soon. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is keep, was keeping it more of a conversation um, versus having, you know, in the beginning, it was like, I wanted to plan the exact questions that we were going to ask people or the exact questions I was going to ask, uh, Brandon, or he was going to ask me or, or whatever it was. Um, so I like, you know, we found that when we try to keep it a little more informal and more as a conversation, it ends up working better for us. Um, and then, you know, for me, investing, investing a little bit more in the quality uh, of the, the microphones. We started with Apple headphones and you can tell on our early episodes, um, they were, they were brutal from a quality perspective. Um, so, uh, and we still, you know, haven't fully invested in what we can, but we've, you know, upgraded the mics a little bit. So the production quality's improved, but I still do the editing in iMovie. So we still have a ways to go in that regard. Um, but I think if you're really trying to make it, you know, legit, yeah, there's, there has to be a little bit of an investment there. 
Um, but uh, it's been fun, man. I think the other thing was, and when you bring a guest on, um, you know, and you guys have done a great job because I feel like I've just been, you know, word vomit on here as uh, letting them talk too. Um, so for me, that's, that's always kind of tough. Uh, cause I, I do tend to, uh, tend to chat a lot. So, um, having, you know, having a guest on really letting them speak, uh, was big for, for me in the learning process. Um, uh, so, uh, it's been fun, man. Uh, we're enjoying it. No plans to, to slow down anytime soon. So we're going to keep rolling with it. <laughs> awesome. That's, I mean, if you guys haven't already go over to, uh, iTunes, uh, you guys, Spotify. Are you guys on SoundCloud? Um, I, I, we're just iTunes, Spotify. Um, and we use, um, what do we use the thing called? I don't post any episodes. I edit them to, to, um, to Brandon. He posts them. Um, but mainly iTunes, Spotify, I think Google play. Um, oh, Google well. play. Yeah, cool. Hey, yeah. why are we not on Google play? Do we have to pay for that? Um, I'm not sure. I have Google play. That's great, man. Excellent. All right. So the better podcast, <laughs> I listen to it weekly. Every time they, these guys come out with an episode, they, they hit uh, blood flow restriction. They hit, ice they hit uh common uh misconceptions they hit programming they hit they have awesome guests on like mitch babcock uh like big 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 time guys uh donnie thompson uh who you've i mean just so many good guests so if you guys haven't already go over there mash that subscribe button give them five stars they are just absolutely killing it so um with that being said let's go ahead and wrap it up here i want to the four of us are going to hit you with some, uh, some, some more personal questions, some, some rapid fire. Oh, man. Ready? All right. Hit me. All right. See, start us off. Uh, Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. What? Defend yourself Sorry. right now. Defend yourself. <laughs> Defend yourself. <laughs> Struck a nerve. I, you know, I had, I, I mean, honestly, I think it was because I just had a friend who was a big Tupac fan. So I, I was exposed to that a little bit earlier and, and a little bit more often. Um, but yeah, you know, definitely both of them. Like, I guess maybe both. If I had to pick Tupac. Fuck. All right. All right, John. Damn. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> John any, Ashley. Any question, John? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> John question. Ashley's not much of a speaker. Yeah, that's my fault. He's On a the podcast. He's a listener. Yeah, definitely. He's mad at me for blow. No, I'm not. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. He's I, our Jamie. <laughs> no. What? No, Jamie. From, oh yeah, uh, Jamie from uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Joe Rogan. You look Jamie, up stuff. Can you look that up for us? <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Helbig, how's he doing right now? Ethan's good, man. Love that kid. Um, he, you know, he's, you know, busy guy. He decided, you know, he wanted to get in the gym business and bought a gym, and they're, you know, probably expanding into another location. So trainings had to, you know, take a little bit of a backseat, just like you know anybody who gets into the, into the coaching world and, and the gym world you know, starts to realize, you know, sometimes your own training does have to, to peel back a little bit. And so he's, you know, juggling that a little bit. We're balancing that, but, uh, uh, we've got some, some good plans going forward on which, you know, which competitions we might do and that kind of thing. So, um, they had a good performance at the Mac. They finished fifth. Um, they really, they probably weren't going to win it, uh, based on the way they performed, but you know, one event, um, probably if they, had, if they had, planned a little bit better on it. They may have done a little better, which might have bumped them up to third and they could have maybe been on the podium, but they had, they had a good showing. Um, you know, so anytime you're trying to get on a podium and a sanctional with the team, that's pretty, a pretty solid performance. So, um, we'll, we'll see. He's got a, he's got a great future ahead of him. He's still so young. So he's a, he's a good kid. All right. So you're going out with a girl, you take her on a date. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where? You skipped. You Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm next, bro. Oh, I, I didn't know you guys were going. Yeah, we're okay. all going. All right, go ahead. John doesn't. Okay, go ahead. All right, uh, Josh, favorite Netflix documentary? Favorite Netflix? Yeah. I, I really thought, all right, if you haven't seen Icarus, I would see Icarus was great um, about like the Russian doping uh, scandal at the Sochi Olympics. Oh. That was good. Um, if, you, if you don't know anything about, uh, if you haven't seen The King, the Ronnie Coleman uh, story, I would, I would watch that too. Um, that was a good one. Um, what else? I mean, there's there's so many, man. I love documentaries, but those are my those are probably from a fitness realm. I've, I've liked those a little bit. All right, what about non fitness realm? Ooh, I'm a I'm a, a, world, a fan of World War II stuff, so um, I love digging in deeper into that. Um, you know, history is uh, I love studying history specifically more um, like military history and, and World War II specifically. Very cool, George. Uh, this one comes from a, uh, one of our listeners. Uh, he said, who told you where to take your future wife on your first date? 
Oh man, I, I got to give a shout out to the one and only Riley Kilbride. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I get married here in a couple months. Uh, for some reason, she's decided to put up with me forever. But um, she, uh, Riley, and I had been talking not too long before that about using you know a, a coffee date as like an easy informal first date, and, and that was the card I pulled when I when I first met my uh, my future wife. Uh, Threw it out there. Say, hey, you want to grab coffee this week? We grabbed coffee, and the rest is history. So, shout out to my man Riley. Riley, what up? <laughs> Episode Riley, Riley, shout out to you. Something for you. <laughs> and uh, shout out to you, Josh, for getting married. Congratulations, buddy. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. One more beer or liquor, and what's your favorite drink? Oh man, um, it, it. I guess it depends on when you when you ask me this question. Um, now, I, you know, I. <laughs> I don't consume alcohol as I may have in my past, uh, you know, more college days with, with teammates kind of thing. Uh, I'm more of a, a beer guy and just a generic white beer, man. I'm, I'm basic as hell when it comes to that. Okay. <laughs> it's, it doesn't light. have to be fancy for me. Coors Light? Yeah. Um, I'm, I get probably more of a, more of a Bud Light or Miller Light, just okay. something basic. All right. Nice. <laughs> Will you drink at your wedding? Ooh. Ooh man! So thankfully, um, again, shout out to to Kelsey for basically handling everything for our wedding. I couldn't even tell you what it is. I do know it's an open bar, and I said don't skimp on the alcohol package. So we, uh, right, <laughs> so I think there's there's going to be a few different beer options. I think some basic light beer options, and then we'll have uh, some other alcohol as well. So it should it should be a good time. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, man. That's it, George. All right, George. I mean, I I think I've. I asked all the questions that I could possibly come up with. I was really looking forward to having you on, Josh, and you did not disappoint at all. This is by far one of our top episodes, man. You absolutely killed it. Thank you so much. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you having me on, dude. It's always good to talk to you and John, and it was great to meet you guys as well. Uh, Dave Caesar, you guys, it was great to meet you. Um, and then, sorry, sorry, Jess couldn't be on here too. Um, the man fro. Well, Josh, yeah, where, can, where can people find you before we go? Where can people find you? Yeah, um, yeah, my at Josh Jeffrey five is probably the easiest way on on Instagram. Um, and then yeah, we have our our CPT underscore strength that uh, also tune into Vertex PT at Vertex PT. Um, that's where all of our PT stuff is, and and we'll soon you know with that the everything coming together, those handles may uh, may be changing a little bit. So uh, you know that's at least a, a good place to start. Cool. All right, man. Good luck with the transition. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. All right, episode 51, boys. Thanks. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you. Peace.